1 Thessalonians chapter 1, so good to see you this morning. I want to talk to you about healthy churches actually begin with healthy believers. And we're going to talk quickly, and I'm going to run very quickly through this passage in uh, light of uh, the, the lateness of the hour. But last week, if you were here, man, we were so blessed. We were encouraged and edified from Psalm 100. And we were also not only edified and encouraged, but we were enabled by the Holy Spirit to really catch a glimpse really, of what a healthy church looks like. Amen? And as Brother Brian shared with us last week, one of the things he pointed out was this, and I thought, how interesting, you know, the Holy Spirit knew what I would be talking about today, but how interesting he said these words. He said, if we are not healthy, we cannot help build a healthy church. If you're not healthy individually, then you can't be a part of building a healthy church because the church is us as believers gathered together, a called out assembly of baptized believers. D.L. Moody, that great evangelist of the 1800s, he once stated this. He said, out of 100 men, one will read the Bible and the other 99 will read the Christian. People are watching. See, you talk to people every day and you come into contact with people every day, and they're going to be watching your life. You might say, hey, God's Word says this, and the chances of them going and opening up or cracking a Bible and seeing what the Bible says, if they're an unbeliever, is very, very slim. But the chances of that person watching your life and my life is enormous. They're watching what we say. They're watching what we do. And so as living, as breathing, as walking representatives of Jesus to the world, I don't know about you, but it just makes sense to me that if we're going to be his representatives, we ought to be healthy representatives, right? I mean, we're concerned about our own physical health sometimes more than we are our spiritual health. And yet I can go to the drugstore and I can get a pill or I can get some type of medicine or I can get a shot or I can get some treatment from a medical facility for something physical. But oh, listen, if we're going to take care of the spiritual health, we have to go to the only one source where we can receive that. And his name is Jesus. And so, so spiritual health is incredibly important. And, and you, you might say, well, why did you pick 1 Thessalonians? Well, 1 Thessalonians 1, I think we find a young church that was having an overwhelming effect and impact, uh, spiritually speaking, on the culture in which they lived. And, and so if you're not there yet, turn with me because I want to read to you. But uh, as a way of background... The Lord used the Apostle Paul to establish this church in Thessalonica during his second missionary journey. And you can find a little bit more about it in Acts chapter 17. The first few verses kind of outline that there. And uh, what we know is the church consisted of a few Jewish converts, but the majority of this church were, were pagans. These were Gentiles, these were pagans. And, uh, and so this church was established under that idea and... Uh, uh, it's important if you read that, I, I want to encourage you to go to Acts 17 because it's important to understand that they only had the Apostle Paul with them about three weeks. And yet we see what kind of impact they were having on their culture. Now we understand the things that were taking place, but here's what happened. Paul's in Acts chapter 17. Uh, he's there in Silas and the church is established and there's a number of uh, Jews that rise up and they gather against these uh, teachers, and they, they're, they're basically troublemakers. And, and they run uh, Paul out of town. They make accusations early on in Acts chapter 17. 
And these angry Jews, they actually get Jason and others of his house and they take them to the rulers of the city and they say, and they're referencing Paul and Silas and the other disciples and they say, these are the guys who turned the world upside down. And the reason they said that is because Paul and Barnabas were teaching people that Jesus was king. Remember, the Bible talks about, it says, they were saying that Jesus was king instead of Caesar. And so they're like, hey, they, they ran him out of town. And what we know from scripture is that after he's escorted out, Timothy and Silas, they remain there initially to kind of encourage and strengthen this new body of believers, this new called out assembly. And then later, Timothy is sent back. He's sent back to Thessalonica in order to strengthen and encourage this young church. And then when he brings the report back to Paul, Paul writes this letter. And notice what he writes in verse number 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as, we, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Notice verse 6 and following. This is where we're going to get our text. It says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak anything. For they themselves, those things, is what he's saying, those things, they show unto us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols and you served the living and true God. And notice what he says in verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven who, raised, who he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that in these few short moments of time, you'll bless, that you'll open up the eyes of our understanding, that you'll open up our hearts, that we might receive your word, that it might spring forth and grow in our lives, that we might walk out of this place healthier than when we came in, desiring to live a life that brings you honor and that brings you glory. God, we thank you for mothers today. We thank you for grandmas and great-grandmas and on and on and just the fact, God, that you... Uh, uh, care enough about man that you knew he couldn't make it on his own. And so you created woman. God, we're so grateful for your love and goodness to us. God, I pray that today if there's someone in this room that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that they would understand that before they can be a part of a healthy church, they have to be a believer and begin to grow themselves. God, I pray that you'll bless in these moments of time and we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Real quickly, if you're a note taker, we're going to give it to you. Uh, number one, healthy believers. Healthy believers are important to building a healthy church, as was said to us last week. And I want you to see some things from this church very quickly. Notice verse number six. Healthy believers look like Jesus. 
That's the point. Healthy believers look like Jesus because verse number 6, Paul says, and you became followers. That word followers means imitators. You became imitators of us, but not only of us, he says, and of the Lord. If you remember the Apostle Paul writing to that struggling church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said something very similar when he said these words. He said, be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. You see, these believers at Thessalonica did just that. They became imitators of Paul, of Silas, and Timothy, but they also became imitators of the Lord. But let me ask you a question. What does it look like in your mind, what does it look like in your heart to look like Jesus? I thought about putting up one of those pictures, you know, of what we typically think Jesus looks like. You know, you've seen those pictures and and uh, these portraits of Jesus as if he sat down for a portrait with somebody years ago. And I thought about superimposing somebody's face on there. Is that what we're talking about when we say look like Jesus? No, it's not. But these, I believe this church at Thessalonica, they looked like Jesus. Because Paul says, you not only became imitators of us, but you became imitators of the Lord. You were looking like Jesus. In, in uh, Luke chapter 6, in verse number 40, Jesus said these words. He said, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. When I think about the Apostle Paul, this is a man whose life was radically changed. He became as his master. He had the desire to look like Jesus. In fact, in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, a very familiar verse, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, when we think about looking like Christ, listen, I think about Paul, what he's saying here in this verse. He's saying, guys, the reason I look like Christ is because Christ lives in me. The only way that you and I are going to look like Christ is if Christ is alive in us. He has to be living and breathing and working in our lives. Practically speaking, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, chapter 4 and verse 22 and following Paul, writing to those saints at Ephesus, he says this, he tells them to put off uh, the former conversation, and that word conversation means conduct. He says, get rid of the way you used to act. He says, get rid of those things. And he says, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And then he says this, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. I was thinking about this and, and I was reminded, uh, Colby had reminded me of something I said uh, a couple of years ago. And, and it's this idea that I look through scripture and I don't know about you, I've looked all through scripture and I can never find any examples I can never find any examples in Scripture of the Lord being filled with things like pride. Are we looking like Jesus today? Because I never found any examples of the Lord being filled with pride or envy or greed. I've, I've never found any example of Jesus Christ being filled with evil speaking. No, when I look at Scripture, I actually see our Lord being filled with things like humility. I see Him being filled with Things such as obedience, he obeyed the Father. Not only humility and obedience, but patience and forgiveness, just to name a few. And so I have to ask this morning, and this is the heaviest point I have because it's so incredibly important as we think about healthy believers. 
is do we look like Jesus? How are we doing in the humility category? How are we doing in our obedience? How are we doing in our patience, not only with one another, but with those that despitefully use us, those that curse us? How are we doing in our patience towards those types of individuals? And then I would ask the question, how are we doing with our forgiveness? I love to hear people talk about forgiveness, but I'd much rather be on the recipient, on the receiving end of someone who actually practices forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 23, we find a principle that's worthy of our attention. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he gives us a principle and he says, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. That word abased actually means to depress or to be humiliated. And then he said these words, and he that shall be humble, the person who is depressed or to be brought low or to be humiliated, he says himself shall be exalted. So the idea is kind of opposite of what we would normally think. We have to be careful when it comes to humility. It's like uh, Andrew Murray always said, I quote this all the time, the moment you think you're humble, you're not. The moment you think you're humble, you're not. Uh, I won't get into the whole story, uh, but uh, we have to be careful. We have to be careful of this idea of humility. Also, I think this, everyone in this room, I put this note down to remind each and every one of us, everyone in this room had been given a ministry. Did you know that, that you're in full-time ministry? Whether you know it or not, you're like, no, I don't, I don't work at the church. You're in full-time ministry. If you've trusted Christ, Mom, if you are a Bible-believing uh, woman of God, a Christian, you've placed your faith in Christ, you have a ministry. Dad, you have a ministry. Grandpa, uh, young people, you have a ministry. You don't even have to wait till you're 18 to get this ministry. It's legal for you to have this ministry right now. It's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. It's the Ministry of Reconciliation, see? We need to remember biblically, though, that if we're going to be about the master's business, we have to do so understanding that the way up is to get low in humility, to humble ourselves in the sight of God. If we're going to look like Jesus, uh, then we also have to make sure that we're obeying Him. Patience is another thing with people that we have to be aware of. And then granting and offering forgiveness. Oh, do we look like Jesus? Because in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 1 and 2, the Bible tells us this. Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ hath also loved us and hath given himself for us an offering, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Truly, it's like D.L. Moody said. It's literally like D.L. Moody said. How amazing is it? Out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will be reading us who say we're believers. Are you healthy? If you're a healthy believer this morning, you're going to look like Jesus. Secondly, healthy believers love and live out God's word. Look at verse 6 and following from our text again. The Bible says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much, notice this word, affliction. That word means pressure, to press on. There was a lot of persecution going on. And so Paul says, hey, you received the word. How can I say there was a lot of pressure going on? Because in Acts chapter 17, it says in verse number 5, they're running Paul out of town. They didn't like the message that Jesus was king. They liked the fact that Caesar was king. And Jesus was giving them a new message. And so he says, hey, you received the word in much affliction. But notice this. He says, you received it with joy of the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 8, 
He, it, they had made such a difference in verse 7 being examples that in verse 8 at the end, it says that your faith has gone everywhere. God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. Oh yeah, the believers had received the word of God in much, much affliction, but they happily and enthusiastically received the word of God. Notice what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1 in verse number 1 and 2 tells us this. You want to have a blessed life? Notice what the Bible says. It said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Notice what verse 2 says. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. Do you love God's word this morning? I was three amens about loving God's word. When you come through the door of Battlefield Baptist Church, I have a thing that we put up about almost five years ago now that says loving God, loving God's word, and loving people. Listen, if we're going to be healthy, we must look like Jesus, but we also must love his word. We, it must be something that we enjoy. If you don't, here's one thing I know. If you don't love horse racing, you're not going to watch horse racing. If you don't love hockey, you could care less whether the Caps are winning or losing. Am I right? If you don't love God's word, I got news for you. You ain't cracking it open. You might carry it to look like something, but be careful. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if we're going to look like Jesus, if we're going to be healthy believers, there has to be a love for God's word. And guys, can I tell you, it just doesn't come naturally all the time, does it? Sometimes you wake up and you know you need to be in God's Word and you know you need to study the Word of God and that old flesh just starts to banging against the spiritual and says, not today, not today, not today. Well, Psalm 119 actually gives us a description and a prescription of how we're to love God's Word. Notice these verses and I'm going to rapid fire through them. Notice what verse 47 and 48 say. The Bible says, the psalmist says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. I will meditate on thy statutes. Do you love God's word? Listen, he goes on in verses 103 and following. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The psalmist is in love with God's word. You read this entire psalm, this entire passage, you know he is in love with God. In fact, in verse number 140, notice what he says. He says, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Not pew, but pure. Make sure you get that right. He didn't say thy love is pew. He said it's pure. I'm trying to hustle for your sakes today. Guys, the psalmist loved God's word because he knew it was pure. He knew it was holy. And he knew it was true. He knew God's word was true. And if we're going to understand that the healthy church is only built with healthy believers, we're going to have to fall more in love with God's word. In fact, even in Psalm 119, verse number 11, the psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What he's saying is, God, I've taken your word and I've put it into my heart so that it can actually become active in my life. I love it so much that I want it to activate me to live 
for you. Oh, folks, receiving the word of God with joy until it bears fruit is the mark of a healthy believer. Don't forsake receiving God's word. I encourage people, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves as a manner of some is, but even so much more, even so much more as you see the day approaching. I understand we're to gather together for worship, but I want to tell you, we ought to be in God's word every day. Every day, it's our strength, it's our lifeline. Oh, we must fall more in love with God's word. You know, these believers had a reputation. The believers in Thessalonica had a reputation. See, Timothy brings the report of their reputation. Their reputation, reputation was that they loved God's word. But not only did they love God's word, they were living it out. Because the, ver the last part of verse number 8, guys, if you can put verse 8, it says, notice what it says, so that we need not speak anything. It says, your love for God's word, you're, you're looking like Jesus. Your love for God's word is so evident that I don't need to say anything. You're getting the job done. What a committed, contagious church this church was. And the same is true today. I was talking to one of our men and he said this word and it reminded me the same is true. Healthy believers, every one of us will be guilty of having the same primary focus. That's the, that's the issue we were talking about. That's the issue is focus. Where is our focus this morning? Their focus in Thessalonica was on Jesus. That's why they were having an impact. I like what John the Baptist said. In John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist declared that he must increase, but I must decrease. Oh, do you love God's word? Do you live it out? And then thirdly, healthy believers lead by example. And we'll run through and finish the message. And, and it says in verse number 6 and 7, And he became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Notice verse 7 again. It says, So that you were in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now look back at verse number 3 in your text. If you have a Bible, look at verse number 3. Because Paul said in verse number 3, he says, Remembering without ceasing. He says, we're remembering, we're reflecting, we're rejoicing on your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patient hope. See, their work of faith was recognized. The labor of love which they had was felt by all, and we see that their patient hope was active. Oh, it's one thing to be patient and to be passive. It's another thing to be patient and to be active. You see, the church had become a godly example to all those that had believed in the entire region. They were all impacted and affected by this church. Which is why I say, healthy believers lead by example. And you say, what does that mean? Have you ever heard someone, I think Brian actually referenced it just quickly last Sunday when he talked about the power of our influence. There's a power that you have whether you know it or not. You have the power of influence. Looking at one of our teachers, if, you, if you're a teacher, you have a power of influence in the classroom. If you're an owner of a company or a boss, you have the power of influence over those that work for you or with you. Moms, you have the power of influence over your children. Dads, you have the power of influence over your children. We have a great power of influence. The question is, what are we doing with it? Because people are going to be affected in a good way or in a bad way, depending on the example that we set. Oh, quite frankly, if we go back to verse number 6, this power of influence is connected with who are we imitating. See, the example's not going to be so good if we're not imitating Jesus. If we start imitating everybody except for the Lord, 
then our example is not going to be that which we desire. And by the way, when I speak of example, I'm not talking about external. I'm talking about internal. I'm not talking about, you know, just walking around looking like super Christian. I'm talking about living your life in faith, in obedience, in humility to God's word. That type of example. Oh, yes. Healthy believers lead by example. Healthy believers, number four, let others know about Christ. We've got to finish up the message. So healthy believers let others know about Christ. In verse number eight and nine, the Bible says, For from you sounded out. That phrase sounded out means to trumpet, to blast out, to echo, to transmit the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. But notice verse number nine, for they themselves show unto us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. The reputation, here's the thing, the reputation of this church at Thessalonica was not based on programs nor pastors. You get it? It wasn't based on programs nor pastors or any type of leader. Their reputation was based on the word of God. And the word of God, what Paul says, you sounded out. That word of God was reverberating throughout the whole entire region. It seems as though this church could not contain their enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. And I just put here, and I put a big box around it, so that I, even in my haste I wouldn't forget to say these words. We cannot claim to be healthy believers. Are you with me? We cannot claim to be healthy believers, mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, young person, if we never tell anybody about the Lord. Thank you, Sonny, for saying amen, or that's right. We cannot claim to be healthy. We can't walk out the door and say, oh, we belong to Battlefield. That's a healthy church. It's not about the, the health or the, or, or, or the seating capacity or the aesthetics or whatever, whatever it is. We are the church. That's why the back of our t-shirt says the church has left the building. That's why the sign as you pull out the parking lot says the church has left the building. And so we can never go out into our community and say we're healthy if we never are willing to tell them about Jesus. So I ask the question for your consideration. When was the last time you shared your testimony with somebody? When was the last time you told somebody that you loved the Lord? You don't have to preach to them. Just tell them, man, I love the Lord. Man, the Lord's been good to my wife and I. The Lord's been good to our family. The Lord's blessed us. I mean, just a short thing. You don't have to preach a message. But when was the last time you did that? When was the last time you invited a non-Christian to a church activity or a church function, let alone worship? Proverbs 11.30 says the fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Adrian Rogers, that pastor of yesteryear, said these words. He says, if you're saved, you will have a desire to be holy. He says, a hunger for the word, the inner witness of the spirit, and a desire to share Jesus. He said, these are the birthmarks of a believer. I would assert that he needed to say one other thing. Not only are they the birthmarks of a believer, isn't that something, me telling Adrian Rogers that he should have said something else? It's kind of comical. He should have said those are the birthmarks of a healthy believer. Of a healthy believer. Oh, listen, we must be telling others about Christ. And then lastly, and we close it up, healthy believers look forward to Jesus' return. 
Man, I heard some amens there. Are we looking forward to Jesus' return? Anybody tired of the way things are going? Man, I get so tired. It's almost like you don't want to turn on the radio or the television or anywhere. You don't want to look at billboards. You don't want to look at anybody. You want to put on blinders and just walk around. But we're not called to put on blinders. We're called to look like Jesus. We're called to love and live out His Word. We're called to lead by example. We're called to let others know about Christ. But also, we ought to be looking forward to His return. Notice verse 10. Paul says, And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Listen, for every believer, Jesus is not only Redeemer. I want you to know He's Rescuer. He's Rescuer. He has redeemed us, but He has saved us from the wrath to come. Oh my goodness, what a wonderful thought thinking about those in Thessalonica. They were eagerly awaiting His return, but they weren't passive. You see, they weren't just sitting on the sideline like this. They weren't just sitting down going, you know, twiddling their thumbs saying, Oh Lord, when are you going to come? I hope you'll come today. No, they were busy. They were telling others about Jesus. They knew that He was their rescuer and they wanted others to know. Guys, I want others to know. I want others to know that there is a Redeemer and His name is Jesus. I want others to know that they don't have to fear any wrath to come if they'll put their simple faith and trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Philippians 3.20, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, our conversation, and that word conversation isn't like the other word that we talked about that means conduct. Here it means our citizenship, our community, if you please. He says our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth. Why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience Wait for it. My question is, are you patiently waiting for the Lord's return? Are you eagerly anticipating that day when He returns? Now, for some of us, we may be here when the Lord returns. And for some of us, we'll have already made our exit from the stage, so to speak, of life. And so the reality is, and the big $10, $100, $1,000 question is, what are we doing with the Savior right now? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, why not trust on the Lord Jesus Christ as your, as your personal Savior? I can tell you, I learned a long time ago, there's nothing that I can do to change my eternal destination. I was headed for hell real quick, real quick. But I realized someone told me that God loved me. In fact, they shared that verse that we all know. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so somebody shared that verse with me. They also shared with me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. They also shared with me about the wages or the payment that I deserve for my sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so this was shared with me and I came to realize that I'm in trouble. Without a Savior, without the Lord, I have no chance of spending eternity in a place called heaven. The Bible says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
I thought, man, that seems pretty simple. If I have a desire in my heart, if I recognize that I'm a sinner, if I understand that I need to be forgiven for my sin, and I will call out upon the name of the Lord, I'll ask Him to forgive me of that sin, I'll ask Him to come into my life and to become my Savior, and I truly mean that, not just with words, but with the true heart, repentant heart desire, I realized from the Word of God that I could be saved. How amazing is that? That He still desires for men and women, boys and girls, to be saved today. Whether you were saved this last year or you were saved 70, what was it? 70 years ago. How amazing is God's grace in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, church, if you've been saved, I want to encourage you today. Consider getting healthy. How do we get healthy? Let's endeavor to look more like Jesus, right? How do we get healthy? Let's fall more in love with God's word. Let's be willing to live out God's word. How do we get healthy? Let's lead by example. Let's lead by example. As we go out these doors, let's set the example for the world that they might see the battlefield is different, that the church here on the hill is a little bit different than the churches they've come into contact maybe in the past. How about, let's do this. If we want to get healthy, let others know about Christ. And then also, healthy believers, as Scripture reveals to us, oh, they look forward to Jesus' return. Oh, even come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm looking forward to his soon return. I'm looking forward to spending eternity with the Lord. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.